It's OU Texas time in America, which means it's crossover time here on the Locked On Network. We got Jonathan Davis of Locked On Horns, John Williams, and Josh Helmer of Locked On Sooners bringing you everything you need to know about OU Texas for this Saturday. And thank you for joining us here on the Locked On Network. I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy over here is Jonathan Davis. You can follow him on Twitter at John's Ball. By the way, one of my favorite Twitter handle names. Just I think it's very clever. And then you know my buddy here, Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh Onreth. And Jonathan, let's get started with you. 49 nothing last year. That's the thing we've heard for 360 however many days over on social media, out in public, as many times as Texas fans want to mention it, they will. What is the psyche and the mentality of the Texas Longhorns team going into this game? Because that 49 nothing it happened, it's got to give them a lot of confidence. At the same time, it's a whole new year. These two, These are two different teams. Yeah, so I, I think last year you had different expectations, right? You were trying to you know, go into the Red River, avenge what happened in 2021, uh, trying to beat Oklahoma and then, you know, see if maybe you had an outside chance to get to the Big 12 championship or win the Big 12 championship last year. Now, as you go into this game, you're the number three team in the country. You're five and zero, and your sights are bigger than the Red River. Obviously, you're not overlooking Oklahoma and you're ready for this game, but you're thinking Big 12 championship, possibly college football playoff. And the way that the other top teams have looked in the country you may be a national championship contender in 2023. So I think the Texas team is looking at it. Obviously, they know it's not going to be 49-0. They know this is going to be a really tough test, one of the toughest tests they have left in terms of getting to the Big 12 championship in the college football playoffs. So they know that Oklahoma is certainly the type of team that can knock them off this weekend. They know that anything can happen in this game. And if they want to control their own destiny, continue to control their own destiny to get to the college football playoff in the Big 12 championship, they have to show up and take care of business on Saturday against the Oklahoma Sooners. But I want to ask you all, right, about the the, the team in, in the Crimson, right? Because last year they looked really good through the first three games and then stumbled against Kansas State and TCU. I know Dylan Gabriel got hurt. But this year the Oklahoma Sooners are on fire. And all the Texas fans are saying, well, they haven't played anybody. It's a fluke. Wait until they play Texas in Dallas this Saturday. Plus 183 on the point differential through five games. Oklahoma has been beating up on everybody what makes you all think that this team is different than the team that lost 49 to zero last year? I know Dylan Gabriel wasn't there, but what's different about this team for Brent Venables in year two? John, I'll let you uh, tee off if you'd like. First of all, it's year two of the Brent Venables era. He's got more of his guys understanding what he wants to accomplish defensively. And I think it starts there. This is a completely different defense. This is not a defense that is having, you know, big time issues in the run game, big time issues in the passing game. Yes, Iowa State was able to get him for a couple big plays last Saturday, but that wasn't a positional thing. It wasn't that guys weren't in the right spots. It's just guys completely whiffed on what they were supposed to do in coverage. You know, this is a defense that is playing really really sound football. They're they're stopping the run well. They're covering well. They've got athletes at every single level of the defense. They're playing with great team speed. And you're you're seeing contributions from veterans like Woody Washington, who's been around for forever, and true freshmen like Peyton Bowen, who is making plays every single day and everywhere in between. 
it's not just one or two guys. I know Danny Stutzman is getting a lot of the attention right now for a defense that's playing so well, but you're seeing contributions from a lot of guys. A guy like Key Lawrence, who's having the best season of his career. Billy Bowman has got interceptions in two straight games. You know, Woody Washington is probably playing the best football of his career right now. And so it all seems to be really coming together in year two in Brent Venable's defense. And Josh, oh, okay. I, what I was going to ask you is, like I said, plus 183 on the point differential. Oklahoma has been dominant, but everybody's saying, you know, they haven't played anybody. This is a five and no team. And it looks like the AP, they don't believe too much in Oklahoma yet because they still rank you outside the top 10 heading into this matchup. Is what Oklahoma has done so far more about Oklahoma just being for real and being a really good team? Or is it because the cupcake schedule up until this point going into the Red River shootout? I think, you know, I, I mean, obviously we're going to find out on Saturday. And uh, I, I, that's, uh, you know, the, the easiest ride the fence answer. But it could be somewhere in between, right? I, I, because we haven't seen this game on Saturday, it could be somewhere in between where it's a little bit the schedule and also it's a little bit Oklahoma's improved too. Oklahoma could be improved and lose this game against a Texas team that looks like, uh, yes, it could be a national championship college football playoff contender. So I don't have a good read on that because of what the schedule has been for Oklahoma. I want to say my inclination is to say that, yes, Oklahoma's improved just top to bottom defensively uh, that uh, along the defensive line, they've got more personnel. I don't know that they have a, they don't have a star there uh, really anywhere. I don't think across the defensive line yet, they do have a star at linebacker in Danny Stutzman, who's playing uh, like Jalen Ford at an all American potentially Butkus award type level. Canick has really elevated his game. I think across the, across the defensive backfield, Oklahoma is much improved in terms of tackling. I think they're much improved in terms of their coverage, but it's about to get tested. Like it hasn't gotten tested so far this season with the skill guys of uh, the Longhorns. So, you know, a long way to say that we're going to find out on Saturday. We certainly will. What what about uh, Texas? Uh, The quarterback, uh, you know, both of the quarterbacks in this game, I think each team feels comfortable coming in. Uh, Quinn Ewers, of course, is uh, the the one of the two here that's projected as a NFL first round type quarterback. And uh, I think that's pretty obvious for anybody watching that he's made some legitimate leaps this season. What's impressed you about Quinn Ewers and his progression? Yeah, I I think what's impressed me is, you know, when we came into the season – he had a good game against Rice, but I don't think that the offense looked like it was hitting on all cylinders like we thought it would coming into the you know second year uh, under Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers. And then he came out and he was great against Alabama. But we saw that last year, right? He was great against Alabama. He was great against Oklahoma. And then it felt like, you know, against the Iowa States and the Kansas States and the Baylors, he took a step back. Maybe he was playing down to his competition, right? And then after Alabama we saw the Wyoming game where he just wasn't good at all, right? And you're like, okay, this is just going to be a week-to-week experience his entire college career with Quinn Ewers, right? But then then I think he followed that up with two elite performances on tape, right, against Baylor and against Kansas. And what I love about Quinn Ewers this year is just he's playing free, right? He's playing loose. I think last year he felt like he had a lot of pressure on him, right? He came in, he was supposed to change, uh, you know, this football team. He was supposed to change this program and, you know, I don't think that he could just come in and play football, right? It was just so many storylines and so much hype and all of this that he felt like he had to live up to that recruiting ranking and everything that everybody's been saying about him since the seventh grade, since he was at South Lake Carroll, all of that. This year, he's having fun. He's playing good football and he's playing loose, right? And I think that 
what you're seeing from him is, you know, a freedom, knowing he's a really good football player and playing within himself, right? When he's not there, he's not forcing the ball. He's not trying to make things happen, right? He's not trying to go out there and win the Heisman with every throw. You see him taking off and, you know, running down the uh, running the ball down the field, right? You know, making sure he takes a profit on every play, you know? So that's what I love about, you know, the development from Quinn, just the maturity, the leadership, and the ability to really execute this offense at a high level um, and not make those young, you know, quarterback mistakes because he's still a young quarterback. Like I said, he'll take you know 10 yards on a scramble or he'll take the check down and that's what we weren't seeing uh last year and that's what you don't see from a lot of young quarterbacks in college football that think they can make you know the the touchdown or the hero play on every play so uh that's what i love about quinn ewer's development is that he's really playing within the offense um he's added that extra you know dynamic to the offense with his legs thus far but i want to ask about dylan gabriel right because he's the missing component that we didn't see in the red river shootout last year but he's been on fire this year, 75% completion percentage, 1,688 total yards and 19 touchdowns. What have you seen from Dylan Gabriel this year under Jeff Lib? Man, Dylan Gabriel has just looked like a player playing with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, apart from the stats, apart from the production, he's just playing mentally seemingly a lot more locked in and tougher. And I think that's kind of speaking volumes to not just the fan base, but to the team. Let's talk a little bit more about what he's doing, throwing the football, running the football here after the break. First, I want to talk to y'all about eBay motors with eBay motors. You get the right parts, the right fit. Hey, just like OU Texas, it is the right fit for a college football Saturday in the cotton bowl for the sec, a conference that has these great rivalries. OU Texas is going to fit right in that passion, that drive. Hey, patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. So let's talk Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback because he is playing at a much, much higher level than what he was a year ago. In particular, what he's doing, throwing the football over the middle of the field. I wrote an article about this over at Sooners Wire today. Over the middle of the field, he's completing 66% of his passes this year. Last year, when he was throwing over the football, throwing the football over the middle of the field, it was down around 42%. If you're asking him to throw 10 or more yards down the field, that's a huge jump. That's a 25% improvement throwing the ball 10 or more yards down the field to the middle of the field. That is huge for this offense. Jeff Levy wants to live on the perimeter, but if your quarterback isn't able to win over the middle of the field, then teams don't have to worry about that. Well, this is helping to unlock more of what Jeff Levy wants to do. He's throwing the, he's completing passes at a career high 75%. I mean, he's running the football. Well, you go back to the Iowa state game in the first quarter, he's showing so much burst. You talk about Quinn Ewers looking to take, you know, profit on every play. 
The same can be said for Dylan Gabriel. When he runs, he's impactful as a runner. He ran over an Iowa State safety. He leaped over another one, scored two touchdowns, got four rushing touchdowns on the season. I mean, he, I think he's taken his game to another level. And a lot of it comes from all of the offseason work that he did and also feeling more comfortable with his wide receivers and in this Jeff Levy offense. I think everybody expected last year when he reunited with Jeff Levy that it'd be you know smooth sailing and there'd be no rust and he'd be able to lock in and make that tra transition pretty pretty simply. Well, just like it it happens with everybody, anytime you have a coordinator change, there was a little bit of, of, of rough seas at times. Well, this year, that's not been the case. He's played really, really good football uh, through the first five games. Again, averaging over 300 yards per game. He's had four 300-yard passing performances. And, I mean, the, the points per game for Oklahoma is largely because of what Dylan Gabriel is doing through the passing game. And now he's got a, a great depth of wide receivers to, to work with as well because, I mean, they're running out there seven wide receivers at times, and it might be Andrew Anthony leading the team and receiving one week, Jaleel Farouk another week, Nick Anderson is, is the Chris Carter of college football. All he does is catch touchdowns, and they're doing it all without really much of a running game to speak of. So things are really it, – it's the, been the Dylan Gabriel show. Now they got to figure out some things in the run game, but he's been phenomenal so far this this season now back to you jonathan the running game has not necessarily been an issue for texas jonathan brooks had a phenomenal game against kansas going over 200 yards averaging 10 yards per carry what's made that so effective for the longhorns this year yeah well i think jonathan brooks has always been you know really effective if you remember the oklahoma game last year he you know scored a couple times i believe uh, towards the end of the game and um, he's always been really good but of course when you have B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson in front of you you're going to be relegated relegated to that third or fourth running back uh, on the depth chart and it's funny because coming into this year uh, Cedric Baxter the five-star freshman true freshman he was the starter going into the Rice game but he got nicked up and that kind of created the opportunity for Jonathan Brooks, right? And you felt like going into this year, losing B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, that we had some really talented running backs, but there's no way that you can replace the production that those type of guys gave you. I mean, you're talking about the number eight pick in the NFL draft and then a fourth rounder uh, late in Roshan Johnson. And as we sit here heading into Red River, Jonathan Brooks is averaging 6.9 yards per carry, seven and a half yards every time he touches the ball. And he's the third leading rusher in FBS football. So he has given you that Bijan type production. Jonathan Brooks has been amazing, but I also think you have to give credit to that offensive line, right? When you bring back the five starters that you had from the previous year, all that development under Kyle Flood, you're really starting to see them impose their will on opposing defenses. And of course, when you have two tight ends that can block, that helps you as well. So we've really been a dominant force this year, especially the last three games in 12 personnel. And it's showing, like I said, with Jonathan Brooks being the third leading rusher in FBS football right now. But you mentioned that the run game has not been great for Oklahoma thus far. Is that going to have to be a key component to beat Texas on Saturday? Or do you think that Dylan Gabriel can go out and have maybe a Heisman type performance and carry this team to victory himself offensively? Well, first off, with all due respect, no, we don't remember the Jonathan Brooks touchdowns at the end of the game <laughs> <laughs> last season. Uh, that that, uh, that was a moment that I don't think anybody on the Sooner end of uh, Red River was uh, was dialed in for. I might have gone outside with my kids uh, the you know third, fourth quarter. I'm not going to lie. But uh, – 
yeah, the 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 run game. <laughs> Jokes aside, here the, the run game. Oklahoma's had uh, their legitimate struggles with it. They haven't had a running back emerge yet. They've they've tried with Marcus Major. They've tried with Tawi Walker. They've had Javante Barnes be the the leading ball carrier. There's been a lot of rumblings uh, leading up to this thing. Really, just the the entirety of fall camp up through these first uh, you know five games of the season. That well. Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk, neither of those two guys has been fully healthy. So that's been, you know, part of the run game issues that Oklahoma's run into. If you believe uh, all of what you kind of hear through the grapevine, bottom line is everybody, three different guys have had a legitimate crack at it. Javante Barnes, uh, Marcus Major and Tommy Walker in none of them have emerged as the number one guy. Not to say that we don't see a performance versus Texas on Saturday where all of a sudden it's one guy's job because they go out and, you know, they run for a buck 50 and a couple of scores, not putting it out of the realm of possibility. But right now, you know, Jonathan, my thought is Oklahoma's going to have to throw to be successful running the football in this game. And where they run, I think they're going to have to run along the the boundary a little bit to the perimeter versus Texas. I don't think they're going to have a ton of success running in between the tackles. That's just kind of where Oklahoma's at in this game. And I would say for Texas, that's probably where one of their strengths is at. And I'll, I'll tee it up for you. I mean, tell us about the defensive tackles. Longhorn's got a couple of special guys there. What is Oklahoma running into up front, especially on the interior of that defensive line? Well, hopefully a brick wall, right? When you look at uh, Tavondre Sweat and, and Byron Murphy, you're looking at two of the best defensive tackles, not only in the conference, uh, but in the country. I believe right now heading into Red River, Tavondre Sweat, the highest graded uh, defensive tackle in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. And this is a defense that's only allowing, you know, 12.8 points a game, only allowing 290 yards of total offense, period. Uh, they've been dominant and they have not allowed an opponent to score more than 24 points this year. So, uh, you know, somebody asked me, you know, what is the difference with the defense this year? And I said, you know, it's the continuity. It's the development. It's all of that, right? You have uh, three years under Pete Kukowski and this complete defensive staff. You have players from the Tom Herman era. I just talked about two of them, right? Uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford, an All-American, right, from the Tom Herman era that have really been developed by Sark and his staff and are playing some of their best football at the University of Texas. And uh, you know how they say, you know, they talk about elite defenses that have playmakers at every level, right? We talked about the two defensive tackles. We talked about, uh, you know, the All-American at Jalen Ford at linebacker. And then we talked about, uh, or we haven't talked about, but you got players like Jalen Catalan, a former All-SEC safety um, in the SEC, just playmakers at every level. And what I love is the depth on this unit, right? When you bring in the second unit, when you bring in the true freshman players like Anthony Hill and Malik Muhammad, there's really no drop off, right? And so we've been so used to, you know, Texas at times having offense, but really it's been a decade since they fielded uh, a defense like this. And it's crazy because, you know, you saw last year against Alabama holding them to 20 points. You saw against Oklahoma, you know, whatever they put out on the field, holding them to zero, holding TCU to 17, you know, so they really were a big game defense last year. And now they're a week in and week out defense. And I expect them to show up again this Saturday against Oklahoma. We're going to talk a few more keys to the game. We'll talk about how Oklahoma or Texas might win this game and what they got to do in order to come out with the victory. We'll do that after the break. So, Jonathan, what is Texas's path to victory in this one? What is a big key for the Longhorns in order to beat Oklahoma? Yeah, so I, I think the game plan that they've, you know, stuck with really the last few weeks, I think you want to come out and you want to run the ball. I think you want to be aggressive 
with running the ball with those backs that you have, uh, Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks, and really lean on that. And I think you want to open up the RPO and the, and the play action and all of that with Quinn Ewers. I think you come out um, and you utilize the quick passing game, right? You really want to get those you know receivers in space, get the ball to them and get Quinn Ewers comfortable. You know, what I've noticed with Steve Sarkeesian is he comes out and he does a really good job of giving Quinn Ewers some layups, right? And then Quinn Ewers, as the game progresses on, you start to take those shots down the field, right? You start to get a little bit more aggressive with the play calls and the throws uh, across the middle and on the boundary. So I think that's what you want to do, right? You want to come out offensively, really impose your will and be a tough, you know, run the football type of team, right? And I think when the defense adjusts to that, when the defense comes down, um, and tries to stop the run and the numbers are in your favor in the passing game, that's when you want to take the shots. I think this defense is a lot better. Like you said, speaking about the Oklahoma defense, I think Brent Venables will have some different coverages that may give Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian some trouble on offense. So I think the best way to combat that is to run the ball, run them out of all those coverages, make them bring those bodies down, and then Quinn Ewers should be able to pick that Oklahoma defense apart if he has one-on-one -on -one matchups with all of those weapons on the outside and Steve Sarkeesian. Then on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, the run game has already been struggling. So you don't give them confidence. Don't let this be the game that they figure it out, right? The defense has to come out there, shut that down, and make Dylan Gabriel beat you. I'm not saying that he's not capable, but if Dylan Gabriel can beat this defense by himself, you walk to the end of the you walk to the middle of the field after the game and you shake his hand, right? You want to make uh, Jeff Levy, you want to make Dylan Gabriel one-dimensional and then beat them that way, right? So I'm going to pose that same question to you all, right? Oklahoma is essentially a touchdown favorite in this game. If we wake up on Sunday morning and I'm pissed off and y'all are happy, what happened? Well, I guess I'll go first here, John. Uh, you know, I, I one of the things we've talked about, Jonathan, this week is just the psyche of Oklahoma coming into this game. How does Oklahoma handle everything from last season? Does it work to their advantage in some small way that they can say, yeah, but Dylan Gabriel wasn't a part of this game? Maybe, right? I, I don't know. I wonder about that a little bit. And I get it's the book of cliches. It's, hey, win the turnover battle, be successful on first down, right? Early downs, be successful. Another one of those cliches I think is one of the big keys for Oklahoma. They can't start slow in this game, given the way last year played out. You lost the game 49 to nothing, even though Dylan Gabriel wasn't there. It's not impossible. I'm not going to categorize anything really in this rivalry game as impossible, right? And we've seen Oklahoma come back from large deficits. Not too long ago, they almost erased one and one with Kyler Murray. They didn't. Dicker the kicker said, uh, no thanks. They did do so with Caleb Williams, uh, obviously, not too long ago. So we've seen Oklahoma fall behind big in this game and either come back and tie it or, or win the thing. So I'm not going to say that it's impossible for Oklahoma to do that, but I just don't see that as a path to victory realistically with this Oklahoma team, given what happened a year ago. And, uh, you know, I think Oklahoma can be explosive offensively, John, but maybe not to the same degree that you had, obviously, with Caleb Williams under center or, you know, Kyler Murray beforehand. So first thing I would say, John, is don't start slow in this game. And, yeah, and, and John – Oh, okay. My bad. John, I want to pose a question to you, right? Because this is really a, a perspective I want to get. And then we can talk about who wins and who covers. I feel like coming into this season, there were a lot of questions about Steve Sarkeesian and Brent Venables, right? And I think that even though, you know, this Texas team has really big goals, Steve Sarkeesian somewhat validated himself with the way that the team has looked thus far in that big win on the road against his mentor, you know, against Nick Saban in Alabama, right? Uh... Oklahoma has looked good, 5-0 and thus far, but there's still some question marks. I think the jury is still out on Brent Venables, right? 
if Oklahoma wins on Saturday, what would that mean for this program moving forward this season? And what would that mean for Brent Venables as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners? I think that most people feel comfortable with where the, the program is headed with Brent Venables right now. This 5-0 and start, the way the defense is playing, I think it's it's kind of changed the narrative a little bit from what happened a year ago. You know, last year was bad. You can't undo it. You can't erase it. It is what it was. But based on what we're seeing now, we're starting to see the trajectory toward what a Brent Venables defense is going to look like, which is the big reason why you brought him to Oklahoma. And you're starting to see, okay, the, the 2022 season, that was part of a, a transition year. 2023 is laying the true foundation for what this program is going to look like down the road. You're seeing a tougher team, a more physical team, a faster team, and overall just a more talented football team across the board, both defensively and offensively. A win over Texas in year two after what happened a year ago, I mean, it would send the hype train off the rails. I mean, just like it would be for Texas, it would put Oklahoma in a position to write their own Big 12 title story, potentially write a college football playoff story this year. And if they were able to do that, I think everybody who feels good about Brent Venables would feel solidified in that. And then the people who might be on the fence would be 100% on board with the Brent Venables hire nationally, locally, it wouldn't matter based on what he and his staff have done on the recruiting trail. All that's left is to win. And they're off to a great start. Now you pick up a big win over Texas and man, it'll, it'll have everybody feeling the vibes in Norman and across the country about Venables and this Oklahoma Sooners team. But, you know, I think that a lot of it's going to come down to how does, how does the Oklahoma defense slow down Quinn Ewers and the offense? I mean, Texas is running the ball really, really well. And if they can't stop the run, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to slow down Quinn Ewers. And it's not that Quinn Ewers is a bad quarterback, incapable of picking up second and longs, third and longs, but that's where Brent Venable's defense thrives. If they can get Quinn Ewers, the Texas Longhorns, into some second and third and longs, it's going to be a long day for the Longhorns. And, and I think that's going to be key. That's, to me, the biggest key of the game. Even if Oklahoma can't run the ball themselves, if they can slow down Texas's run game, it'll kind of play into their favor. I feel good about this team. I've been talking about it for months. Oklahoma right now, they're 5-0 and against the spread. Uh, so playing really, really good. They're, they're putting up points. They're slowing teams down. It's a good defensive team, a good offensive team. So I'm feeling great about where Oklahoma's at heading into this one, even though Texas may still be the better team. We know it's a coin flip game, right? Every single year. It doesn't matter what the rosters look like, what the trajectory of the teams look like, the records look like. Throw it all out the window as the, the, the proverbial rivalry game with state in the rivalry book. Uh, but Jonathan, how do you see this one playing out? What's your prediction? Give it to us. Yeah, my favorite questions to ask, the million-dollar questions, the, the questions that the fans are waiting for, who wins, who covers. Right now, FanDuel has it as Texas minus six and a half. I say Texas wins, Texas covers. This defense has not given up more than 24 points all year. I'm not going to disrespect them and say they're going to do it for the first time this Saturday. I actually have the exact same Alabama-Texas score, 34 
24, right? I think it kind of goes the same way, maybe minus the turnovers. I don't see Dylan Gabriel throwing two interceptions. I think Texas takes the lead. I think Oklahoma keeps it close, even takes the lead at some point. And then I think in the third or fourth quarter, uh, Texas kind of takes off. But it's a close game all throughout. Texas ends up winning by 10 points in this edition of the Red River Shootout. Once again, 34 to 24 to move to 6-0. and And once again, keep controlling their own destiny in route to hopefully a big 12 championship and a college football playoff appearance. So now I'm asking you, Josh and John, who wins, who covers? Well, just uh, I'll be very brief in this respect. Fork in the road game for Brent Venables with the fan base. Uh, that's the best way I describe it. It's, you know, you win this one and everybody's completely bought in. I don't think that there's a lot of fracturing yet with OU, but you lose it again. And if you lose it convincingly, okay, well then, you know, there's two paths I think the fan base can take on Brent Venables pretty quickly. So that's definitely at stake for OU. I'm going to take Texas. I, I think Texas is winning the game. I just think they're a little bit better than Oklahoma. I do expect the Sooners to be competitive. Uh, I expect uh, both defenses to get some stops here and there. I'm going to say 30-27. I'm going to take the, the Longhorns by a field goal. I think it's a great game, but uh, I'm, I'm just a little bit worried about Oklahoma's inability to – run the football as effectively as I think Texas is going to on a more consistent basis, be able to run the football. And I got to see these Oklahoma defensive backs. I love what I've seen so far, but I'm a, Hey, show me, I'm a prove it kind of guy. And I need to see Oklahoma's defensive backs go shut down worthy, go shut down Mitchell and Sanders and others. I, I got to see that happen this week. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Texas for now, 30 to 27. I think it's going to be a great game for the fans outside of, you know, obviously if you're, you're looking for the win as soon as fans, you're not going to be happy to see a loss, but just a viewing perspective, I think it's going to be an exciting game for, for neutral parties. Yeah, if you're a As casual observer, like uh, one Greg Sankey is going to be this weekend, maybe not so casual, but a, a vested observer, but not really rooting for either team, you're going to love what you see on Saturday because I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I think it's going to be a close game. I do think Oklahoma wins this. I've been predicting Oklahoma for months. I'm sticking by that prediction, but I think it's going to be a close one. 31 to 30, the Sooners get it. Uh, it's like I said, it's going to come down to either a last second touchdown or field goal, something late. And Oklahoma's defense is going to have to make a stop to win this game. And I think that's where the difference lies for the Sooners this year versus last year. You talked about Texas hasn't given up more than 24 points in a game. Oklahoma hasn't given up more than 20 points in a game this season. So again, we haven't played Alabama, but <laughs> They're doing really good stuff on the defensive side of the football. And I think I think all the guys that were a part of this game last year, they're going to come in locked in, focused, in the zone, and ready to compete with a really, really good Texas team and show that what happened a year ago was an aberration and not at all representative of what Oklahoma football looks like. All right, parting, parting thought for everybody before we get out of here. Josh, give me just one final word uh, about – College football, Oklahoma, Texas, whatever it is. It's the greatest rivalry in the history of college football. It's fun to see both of these teams. I, Jonathan, just being transparent with you, I don't root for Texas to come into this game undefeated every year, but since that's what we've got this season, it makes it, it, makes it fun. It's the first time since 2011 that's been the case. So the greatest spectacle to me in sports is back in full force this weekend. Uh, Mr. Sankey, you're welcome. Uh, welcome to the party. It should be fun for all involved. 
I'm going to say, once again, I've already said that Texas wins this game. I agree. It's one of the greatest spectacles in sports. You can make the argument it's the greatest rivalry in the history of college football. And I'm going to say my bold prediction is coming out of this weekend, I know Caleb Williams has been amazing, but either Jonathan Brooks or Quinn Ewers will be the leading Heisman frontrunner heading into the back half of the season. And I'm going to say I really enjoy watching Xavier Worthy play football. And maybe that's blasphemy to talk about a Texas Longhorn and how much you enjoy watching them play. But Xavier Worthy is just one of those dudes that is just so good at what he does on a football field that is just fun to watch. I have the same thing, the same uh, you know, love for LaShawn McCoy, the football player, not the analyst, the football player. He was just so much fun to watch, even though he was a Philadelphia Eagle. I have the same kind of affinity for Xavier Worthy. Now I hope he drops every single pass this Saturday but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Crossover with Locked On Longhorns host, Jonathan Davis. Again, follow him on Twitter at Johnzo Ball. Subscribe to his show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when every single Locked On Longhorns episode drops. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref and myself at John Nine Williams. Our show is at Locked On Sooners. Again, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on every platform. You can also subscribe to the Locked On Big 12. Or if you want to get yourself ready for the SEC, go subscribe to Locked On SEC with our man Chris Gordy. But until next time, he's Jonathan Davis. I'm John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. OU Texas! Welcome. Boomer. Hey.